Greetings all and welcome to the 84th episode of the Chief Yuya Podcast. Of course, I'm Chief Yuya and I want to welcome you all to this space. Um, of course, we, we are still dealing with our foundations. You know, we're getting back into season two. So I'm really building, 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 going up. Last session that we did, we were able to talk about foundations and the movie Samsara, which um, from the feedback I've gotten from folks that really had an opportunity to enjoy. For some, it was a brand new entrance, you know, into that film. So that was awesome. And in this session, we're going to be speaking about the Jezebel spirit. So let me give you some understanding ahead of time or some forewarning. We're going to be dealing about this or diving into this concept over the course of several uh, episodes. And the reason being is because it's probably, or not even probably, but it's one of the main challenges that those who are striving for righteous reacculturation and balancing and reclaiming of their natural birthright. Um, it's the biggest entity and, and force that you are being faced with. I mean, we see so many examples of that today. You know, the spirit of Jezebel. And years ago, uh, 2019 to be exact, I did an episode entitled um, Men Checking Weak Males. It was episode 22 of the Chief Yuya podcast. And in that, I spoke about, you know, um, being able to understand what a man should check another man on, you know, and check meaning correct, you know, to set straight, to kind of put back into alignment and even certain um, outward expressions of feminism or aligning with feminist thought and how much that's applauded, you know, how much of that is embraced, whereas actual masculinity and the character and strength that's inherent in masculinity seems to be, you know, criminalized and put under undue um, scrutiny and even um, pressure, you know. So this concept of that phys- that feminist spirit, you know, that Jezebel spirit where it's no man's going to own me, no man's going to rule over me, no man, you know, is going to tell me what to do on my job or inside of my temple or, or within the government, you know. Um, I address that concept. So that concept or that segment, I was actually speaking about the Jezebel spirit, but I just didn't name it as such. But now with you understanding that or knowing that, I would definitely advise you to go back and take a look at it, you know, take a listen to it, because um, it will help to also clarify and give more insight to, to what we're going to be getting into over the next couple of sessions. You know, um, but what you what you immediately learn from listening to that segment is that the Jezebel spirit is not exclusive to women. You know, uh, a male could be a Jezebel, a female could be a Jezebel. You know, it's um, it's a natural spirit. Of course, it was a, or she was a, a person, you know, at one point, and we'll get into that, but the spirit itself is, um, is present. <laughs> you know, it's here, it's been here for some time, and um, it can, like any other demon, you know, or Damien or unseen force, it can hop into anyone, you know, and in some cases, anything. So it's it's important that we deal with that concept. And you're going to understand why we're going to deal with it. Why is it why it's so important and how it affects everything that we're striving to do going forward? You know, again, as a as a spiritual people, as a people who are exploring metacognition, looking at how we're learning and looking at thinking and, and what motivates even some of um, our inability to experience self-control and so forth and so on. We're gonna we're gonna get into all of that. So, like I told you in our last session too, every session I will definitely be giving a proverb, you know, a proverb as I like to say, to give you something to reflect on, to ruminate on. You know, as you're staring up at the sky, or looking out at the water, or listening to a beautiful piece of music, and you may say, "This is a thought I can explore." All right. So this strong or this episode's uh, proverb is as follows. It is difficult to catch a black cat in a dark room, especially if the cat isn't there. All right. So that's your your proverb for uh, the 84th episode, season two of the Chief Yuya podcast. OK, so that's that's your your proverb. I, I trust that you'll take it. You'll wrap it up in your hands, you'll embrace it and you'll explore it with all of the vigor 
that you ought. All right, now let's get into our movie, right? Our last movie that we we dealt with was Samsara. And like I said, from the reactions, it seems like people really, really dug it. You know, they really got into it, really enjoyed it. And there was a lot of exploration of thought, you know, which I, I love, you know. And if you have any comments or questions about the film or any film or anything, <laughs> you know, you can reach out to questions at chiefyuya.com. Questions at chiefyuya.com. And, of course, I'll be going over a question every segment. I'm going over one a day. So they have been coming in. You know, feel free to keep them coming in. And eventually we'll probably do something where you you can post questions. On Twitter now, you know, just tag Chief Yuya, you know, so I'll find it, you know, um, in your question or your comment if you're going to use Twitter or, or um, like Instagram. Twitter is probably better. But anyway, we'll we'll get into that. The Fountain is our movie for this segment, and uh, that's a movie that was done in 2006. It's um, it's a beautiful movie, man, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, hopefully, or willfully as much as you did Samsara. But um, I mean, there's no subtitles, so that that's one thing. But you know, mainly it, it centers around uh, Hugh Jackman, um, and he plays a Spanish conquistador by the name of Tomas. That's where we where we begin, right? And he, we're basically seeing him at three different periods, like time periods, right? So there's this concept there of, of reincarnation and and multi life cognition, so forth and so on, and of course evolution, if you will you know, at least through consciousness, you know, the evolution of consciousness. So, um, Tomas, the conquistador, eventually over time becomes Tom Creel, who's a, a surgeon and he also travels through, we'll say space, we could say space or, or dimensions eventually. And then you have Rachel Weiss and she is an author, but she starts off as Queen Isabella of Spain. And like the, you know, when we first start the film and she eventually becomes Izzy Creole. Um, now, again, I'm not going to share too, too much because I don't want to ruin it for you. I'm just giving you a little bit of a little bit of background. Right. And um, so you have this connection between the different time periods through certain visual motifs, you know, which kind of just let us know, like, yeah, um these are they're going through the same journey or maybe even some of the same struggles over time and developing and understanding some of the the questions or some of the responses that they're supposed to have to some of these struggles you know and what's so beautiful about the movie for me and I think you'll find it too is that it has so many different spiritual motifs and one flick and you know which is nice and i guess they were able to do that going through time right so when we first start we immediately get mayan we get this mayan um motif and if anybody is familiar with, with um um you have zibaba who was this it, it's i don't want to call it mythology it's a story right of um that izzy is talking to tom about right so that's how we start off and in this Mayan tradition, Zibaba was this entity who died. And um, when he died, what sprouted from, he's called the first father. But when he died, what sprouted from his body was a earth, a new earth, in fact, and new life. And his soul became the branches that uh, like created the sky. So you immediately have like this tree reference, of course, right? And his head was hung into that in, in the heavens, you know, by his children. And he became um, what we call the Mayan underworld, you know, Zibaba. So there's a concept, as soon as you say underworld, there's a concept of afterlife that's already introduced there when you hear words like that, or even heaven, you know, or the duat, afterlife. So Izzy is, in, in the very beginning, is speaking about immortality. She's speaking about life after death. You know, we kind of open up the space with this thought of life after death, you know, and, um, you know, the, the idea that death explodes or like when Zibaba exploded, new life came from that death, you know, so um, it creates an, as far as the film, and, I, and this is not exactly, let me give a disclaimer, this is not exactly accurate to Mayan mythology right so or or the origins of zibaba but 
you know, it, it helps to explain the story that the director and the writer are explaining in the film. And then there's also uh, Buddhism that's also very prevalent in the film, as well as Hinduism. Um, and that movement towards light, you know, and, you know, we see like as Tom, when he's traveling through dimensions or like space, he's sitting in the lotus position and he's chanting incantations and he's surviving through um, meditation and consuming um, tree bark, this the bark of this, this sacred tree, if you will, you know, um, and when you talk about that movement towards light, for those of us who are into astronomy, you may have caught something when they were looking through the telescope. Uh, you probably caught Orion, right? Um, and Or what we would call M42. M42 is the star. And um, right above that star is the three other stars, which they call Orion's belt. But um, when you think of Orion, or, er, er, ion. Right. And then Tom's sort of trek or journey towards light. The fact that they were looking at the M42 nebula, it it makes sense. You know, Um, again, for the astronomy geeks, the astronomy club. (laughs) But that's your movie. Right. So now let's get into our our main concept here. And like I said, we're we're dealing with Jezebel. Jezebel is the main concept that we're going to touch upon uh, in this segment, right? So let's start where I usually like to start things, right? Um, you know, usually I like to start things with uh, name meaning. So let's get into what the name Jezebel actually means. So of course, whenever you see that J, you have to kind of start to, you know, go into a certain mental mode, you know, especially in the Old Testament. And, you know, we find stories of Jezebel and Kings, right? So there was no J. We would be, it would be a, a Y or even an I, most likely. Um, sometimes even a, a G sort of sound. But uh, really the name would pre- be pronounced Isabel, you know, uh, or Isabel or Isabel, but primarily like Isabel. And the I, you know, or the Y means where, you know, in, in that sense. And the Zabul means prince. Okay. You know, again, we're linking it to the Phoenician, you know, uh, I know there's usually a quick thought to go immediately to the Hebrew, but you got to look at where she's from. And, you know, of course where her name would, would come from. So, um, you, you often have that bell or that Baal, like Hannibal, you know, um, in Phoenician sort of names and ideas, because it's a reference to Baal, you know, that particular Elohim and being um, talking about the death of the Elohim Baal. You know, you can read that in the uh, Baal cycle. That's a a Ugaritic text that you could check out. But um, so Isabel or Jezebel, as you would know, Isabel, uh, Zabul, you know, meaning prince and it means where means where's the prince or no nobility. There is no nobility. Now, this is very significant because um, once you start to understand Jezebel's constant um, ambition and campaign to destroy nobility, and, and in particular masculine nobility and masculine royalty, you get a better understanding of the etymology of that name and how it's relevant to certain designs and the Jezebel's sort of... Um, process, you know, because it also can mean unhusbanded. That's another translation for the word Jezebel, unhusbanded, you know, um, and there's certain, of course, associations with that idea when you're dealing with not only ancient times, but today's times, but the where's the prince is like a, a, a mocking sort of thing where she probes, you know, so the the name itself, it speaks also to the, the presence of certain um, Elohim, which are diamet- diametrically opposed to those of the Israelite Elo- Elohim. You know, when you're, there's already this reference to Baal, you know, um, as opposed to, you know, let's say um, we look at the Hebraic, you have a name like Mikael, and Mikael means who is like Yah or who is like El, 
You know, so there's already a concept there of singling out. There's no one like L, you know, and, and that just in the name Mikael, which some of you may know is Michael, right? So there's, there's a legitimate sort of question there against masculinity and monotheism and even authority just in the name, right? So when she married Abraham, you would have thought that he would have changed her name to give honor to his, his Elohim as opposed to allowing this foreign queen to come in and kind of pave the way, if you will, for the reign of her Elohim, right? So by name, that's where we start with the Jezebel spirit. Very important because, you know, I'm going to, like I said, give some background, but I'm going to stretch it out. So I'm not going to get too overly involved in one concept or another because um, there's so much that we're going to cover through all of these sessions. But you know, just in understanding that, you know, understanding that about her name, there's a couple of things that we have to look at with the Jezebel spirit or Isabel spirit, you know, and just understanding even through that name, that name itself is a spirit. Sometimes we take on certain names because they're pretty. I knew a, a woman years ago. She was an exotic dancer and um, she had the name Jezebel she took on. And, you know, we, we were real close at one time and I was like, yeah, you're going to have to change that name. You know, and because everything you're doing up on stage is is indicative of that Jezebel spirit, but you may not even know what that what what you're inviting. You know, and this is some of the ways that we do invite demonic energy into our space, right? But if if we were to look at the um, physical Jezebel, right? She was a Phoenician princess and daughter of Ethbol, and Ethbol was the king of Tyre um, or Tyre, as some say. And, um, you know, his wife was one of the high priests of the cult of Baal. His wife was Daubat Abad Ashtart. Now you hear the word Ashtart in there. So you immediately know that Ashtarte or Easter or Esther has this correlation with Baal, right? The Elohim. And at this time, um, Israel was like in turmoil. You know, at the time of, of Isabel or Jezebel, there was like 20 years before that, a couple of decades or yeah, like 20 years, Israel had split. So there was all sorts of, of, of strife. Whereas Phoenicia at that time was like, it was polytheistic. It was a very diverse society with many Elohim kind of operating within that space, but our only being one of them. And um, there were, as far as it is, the Israelites, they, they were they were having a lot of strife and conflicts among their different leaders, the different tribal leaders, which affected their ability to put a foothold, you know, or plant a foot on the global stage. So, you know, over the time, over time, um, the Israelites, they found common ground and they elected and crowned a king. His name was Omri, King Omri. And um, Omri... Uh, was someone that Ethbol, Ethbol was the Phoenician king, father of Jezebel, Isabel, looked at and said, I want to create an alliance with Omri because, you know, these Israelites are starting to to do their thing. Now they have a unified government. They have a unified body under King Omri. So what he did was he arranged this marriage, or they arranged a marriage between um, King Omri's son Ahab and her his daughter Isabel or Jezebel. But one of the agreements of the marriage was that Jezebel or Jezebel had to main, had to be able to maintain her Phoenician lifestyle, even though the Israelites were monotheistic, even though they acknowledged there are other Elohim, but we only serve one and we're very conservative in, in that sense. Right. And but if you're going to marry this woman, she has to be able to bring her, her polytheism and most importantly, her worship of Baal. And there were other archetypes too, like Molech and Astarte, of course, into the space. So what happened was when um, when Ahab succeeded his father, um, Omri, as king, then, of course, Isabel became queen, right? And she was not completely accepted uh, within the ranks of, of Israel, uh, because she was still worshiping and serving the Elohim Baal. 
and who was the Elohim of her home. That was the Elo- that was one of the Elohims of the Phoenicians. You know, as you've heard me say many times before, different nations have different Elohim. You know, so she brought um, a legion, a legions rather, of her priest of Baal to Israel, into that land. And she had many, many of the more outspoken Israelite priests murdered. Okay, that was one of her first things she did. So she was able to bring in, in her. And then what she was able to eventually do was she converted Ahab um, to allow the population or to have the population worship, do all this idol worship, um, and kind of begin these processes of sexual rituals and, and sexual promiscuity inside of his kingdom. You know, so he built two temples. Um, for Jezebel, his queen, and did nothing for the, the, the Elohim of his father, Omri. You know, so, you know, the kind of the idea there with, with Jezebel that um, Ahab was sort of enslaved, if you will, uh, to, to Jezebel's strength and Jezebel's beauty. And um, he would do anything that she wanted, you know, so. The idol worship lasted and it, and it really, it shaped the whole dynamic of Israel for over three, three score or, or six decades. You know, it, it, it shaped exactly how Israel, Israel operated and saw things because she was so relentless in her work to really saturate Israel um, with her nation's identity and her nation's main deity, you know, and to remove and drive out. The, the Israelite uh, systems from their own land. <laughs> you know, she was adamant about, you got to get that out of here. And because her husband, Ahab, was weak, she was successful, right? Now, this is, I'm going through this too because it, it's ancient, you know, but at the same time, it's so significant be, because of what we're dealing with today, what we're fighting today as men and as women. You know, um, the priest of Baal at the time, they didn't have, they didn't demonstrate any like particular power, any supreme power. And the truth is when the people finally did rail up against them, they quickly lost, which was kind of deep. And, um, you know, like when Elijah came and really started to dig into her, she vowed, I'm going to destroy this prophet. You know, I'm going to destroy you, you know, and we'll we'll get into the story of Elijah and Jezebel. It, it's a very interesting um, story in that sense. But like I said, um, we're going to hit a couple of key points. And then, like I said, I'm going to we're going to go over this more and break down different things. Right. So there's a couple of things to understand about that Jezebel spirit. Like I said, um, she she was someone who was all about promoting what we could say was in injurious heresies and really was about making sure that people morally compromised themselves. You know, she, that was her, her thing. You got to morally compromise, compromise yourself, if you will, you know, and she called herself a prophetess, you know, but she had this very dangerous sort of influence, um, on, on Israel, you know, and, even when you look at Kings, First uh, Kings sixteen thirty one, uh, and we learn about you know her being a daughter of Ethbaal. Now look at his name too, Ethbaal or Ethbaal, you know Ethbaal. So it's always that Baal is is um, very present, you know. And he was again, like I said, entirely you know over the Sidonians. Um, but because of her influence, she was like, let's combine Yahweh with Baal and then eventually let's get rid of Yahweh. That's so important when you look at concepts like um, we see today where uh, you have a lot of Christians who they infuse like uh, Easter. It's a good one, right? And in church, you have Easter egg hunts on and Easter is an acknowledgement to Astarte. So it's like, yeah, we'll take your God and take my God. But, but really if we were to look at them, what, what archetype is representing most strongly inside of these environments when there's promiscuity, there's sexual perversion, there's um, money laundering in a lot of churches, there's thievery, you know, we could go on and on and on, drug addiction, substance abuse, so forth and so on, right? So um, 
the concept there of that mixing, that's what Jezebel is always going to look to do because her, her goal is to kill. She's a destroyer. She wants everything dead. And one of the first things that you'll always notice about that Jezebel spirit, you know, again, knowing that it operates in men and women, like I said, you know, going back to the um, whole, uh, you know, um, show that I did episode 22 again, um, a chief podcast week um, men checking weak males. I was speaking about Jezebel spirit, you know, so. She operates out of control. Her main thing when she's operating in men and she's operating in in women is control. She's a control freak and she'll use so many different things to control. I got someone I I have someone I know now and many people like this, but he at one point cheated on his his wife and his wife uses that to control him. And when I first met her, I saw what she was and I said, yeah, I, I could see why he cheated on her. You know, but she a lot of times they'll use their trauma and sometimes, you know, you'll get into a relationship with someone and they'll lead with their trauma. I went through this and my ex did this to me and did that. And, you know, I was abandoned as a child and I was beaten as a child and I was this, that that was starved, whatever. And now what happens is that they they gain control through that level of manipulation because the Jezebel wants to have control, wants to have domination, you know, over whatever is happening inside that relationship and they're going to control people. They're going to control their surroundings, you know, um, but what you'll never see with them, what you'll never see is self-control. So they'll control everything around them, but themselves, you see? So that's one of the ways you'll know, okay, that demon is present because we're talking about a demon and there's always that intimidation that is present. And Jezebel is a master at intimidating people. You know, some of us had mothers who were Jezebels. We had aunts who were Jezebels, grandparents who were Jezebels, and they operated out of fear. And, you know, sometimes we resented our Ahab uncles or fathers or grandfathers, whatever, because they skipped, they tiptoed around the wrath of their spouse. Well, I don't want to get you. Well, you know, she's the boss. What did your mother say? What did your grandmother, what did your auntie say? You know, oh, she's about to go off. Hey, everybody, you know, always tiptoeing around, you know, the wrath of this person because the Jezebel is always going to cause flight, is always going to cause discouragement, is always going to cause fear. You know, you look at um, even in First Kings, like I said, the 19th chapter, when she didn't necessarily kill Elijah. But she sent messages, messengers to discourage Elijah and make him run. You see, it's it's always the intimidation, always the threat, you know, and he ran to Beersheba in Judah when he got the threat. He he left his servant down and walked another day and, you know, into the to the desert and then um, begged to the most high and was like, man, let me die. Let me die. I'm no better off than what my ancestors went through all off of a threat. Now, you imagine how powerful Elijah was. This was a person who brought fire down from Shemaim or what you might call heaven. You know, he was he was fearless for the most part. However, when she that demon cast that threat, it was enough to put him into a depressive state. He began to experience depression. See, that's what's being spoken about here. You know, um, and this was not long after what he did at Mount Carmel. Read, you know, First Kings uh, 18th chapter, the chapter before. He had a victory at Mount Carmel, but this woman, this feminine energy, this demonic female was able to send him into a tailspin of, of despair, you know. So she's not someone who can attack or who will attack head on, but she will wear you out. She will wear you out if you don't know how to find comfort and, and, and um, support within your, your spiritual strength or your spiritual family. You know, now, like I said earlier, that Jezebel is all about sexual immorality, you know, and we know it's a spirit because, yeah, we, we read about Jezebel in Kings and then she comes back in Revelation. It's like, well, I know you were dead by now. We're still talking about Jezebel. So obviously we're talking about a demonic spirit. So in that sense, you read, um, you allow Jezebel or Isabel, who calls herself a prophet, calls herself a prophet to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality, right? That's Revelation's second chapter. So 
how many people have fallen? <laughs> you know, I mean, that one, the, the stories are endless. How many people have fallen to sexual immorality? You know, um, even think about Jehu or Yehu. When he came to destroy Isabel or Jezebel, she comes to the window and then she, you know, before she came to the window, she put makeup on. Because her plan was, yeah, this man's coming to kill me, but I'm going to seduce him first. You see? She always goes after the righteous. She always goes after those who minister for the Most High, you know, because of the authority that they hold. You know, this is a very important message for those of you who are any form of spiritual leadership. You know, I could show you my inbox, show you my DMs. And, you know, sometimes people who know, they'll say like, oh, chief, you got all these women after you. Well, women and and, and males. You know, I get I get a lot of attention from the Skittles um, contingency as well. But I know, yeah, they really are after me. They really are after me. They're not they're not looking to love and to nurture and they're after me because I know the Jezebel spirit when it comes. The more work you do and the more authentic work you do, the more they show up, the more they show up. And I see them before they, they get into the inbox, you know, and the conversations always go the exact same way. And there usually is an offer, even some who are a bit more strategic, there's an offer of some sort of sexual excursion, excursion and exploration, um, but never an offer to really commit to the community of Anu and what we're doing. Right. So that's one of the things they do. You know, they go after people who are in authority and, um, you know, keep in mind when that authority falls, like if I got caught up in a scandal, how many people would be affected? How many children would be affected? You know, um, because the Jezebel doesn't care. The Jezebel wants to see that fall. This is a person who will leave Anu and, or have problems because of the Jezebel spirit and then go and start to slander, make up stories. That's what Jezebel, she's a liar, you know, and make up all these different stories. You did this, you did that, you did that, he did that. And we live in a society that's so Jezebel centered that no questions are asked. No question. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, I could see that. You, you see, that's what happens in that. So her her goal is always to make sure, you know, um, that she uses some form of sexual immorality to bring down those who are serving the most high. And that's why many ministers, they fall for it, man. They fall into pornography addiction, um, um different forms of sexual deviance, um, adultery, right? Um, because they're under constant attack, sometimes even within their own homes. You know, it could be their daughter sometimes, you know, they're under constant attack from that Jezebel spirit. One of the other things about Isabel is that um, she wants full control of religious environments. So to do that, she teaches false doctrine. You see, because... She's not only identified as a queen, but as a religious leader. And she was in charge of prophets. Now, this is similar to someone who, let's say, for instance, um, runs a, a software technology company and they want to push a certain sort of idea. And even though they run a software technology company, now all of a sudden you see them commanding and charging people who are in the medical field. And you say, wait a minute, you don't have any degrees or anything in medicine. How is it that you're able to tell all of these medical professionals professionals what to do and how to do it, but your specialty is computers? You see? So that that's a similar thing. I think you know what I'm saying. <laughs> that's a similar thing here. Um, when you are speaking about that Jezebel energy, you know, um, that Jezebel or that Jezebel is someone who's going to teach other truths other than what is scripture or what is what is proven doctrine by your communal elders. And it doesn't matter how innocuous or how innocent they may seem from the outside. If they are presenting something that goes contrary to the message and the agenda and the mission of your religious scripture, your doctrine, then um, you're dealing with a Jezebel spirit because they use seduction. You know, and they use that to control, you know, so they'll always present themselves as a teacher. Always. 
Now, if you've ever listened to my live seg- segments, you've heard me shut down Jezebels left and right. They get on the line. The first thing they do is something like this. Yeah, I, I hear you all talking about this and talking about that. But, you know, the first thing that we have to keep in mind is this. See, they, they immediately start out trying to teach you something. It could be something as simple. You're driving somewhere. Why don't you? Why are you going this way? Why don't you go over there? Why'd you go this way? Don't you think it would be easier to do it this way? You see, that's that's demons. That's demonic. And I know some of you listening, you're probably like, oh, wait a minute. My wife does that. My girlfriend does that. My mother does that all the time. Yeah, you're dealing with a demon. She's got a demon. And the demon is called Jezebel. Say it by name. You know, Isabel. Where is the prince? There is no prince. There is no royalty. It's me. So I'm always going to come in the room teaching, even if something I know nothing about. And there's subtle ways, like I said, she uses seduction, soft voice, things like that to try to try to steer you into that. You know, you have a whole now segment of people who teach on women, females who teach on YouTube. And what they're doing is calling out the behavior of other women. You know, but if you really look and listen, you could see. These women are demonically possessed. They're pretending that they're that they're advocating and championing men's rights, but they're not really. You know, that that this is their gateway how they get in, and then you're gonna see the truth eventually of what it really is. You see, that's that's Jezebel's spirit. They love to be on top. They love to be leaders. So oftentimes they'll go after the leader because well, I want to be the queen. You're the king, I want to be the queen. Well, what qualifications do you have? I'm pretty. And I'll do some things to you that you've never had done before. You see? So it that's why when you read about her in Revelation, she's a prophetess. You know? And this is one of the things when you have a person who can't live without the spotlight. <laughs> they can't live without being on the podium or being on the microphone um, or being on social media and Picture, look at me this way, look at me that way, look at me this way. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. They need all this attention because it feeds their sense of value. It feeds their sense of, of worth. And that's that insecurity is so dangerous because through that, the demons come in. You know, so what happens is eventually that spirit will overtake them and it begins to influence everything that they do. So instead of being used by your your spiritual parents... Or what some would call your heavenly father and your heavenly mother, you know, father who is knowledge and the mother who is wisdom. Instead of being used by them, you're being used as a puppet by demons. You see, because you have such a lust for for the spotlight, you know, and just like when you see the relationship between Jezebel and Ahab, the Jezebel or the Jezebel um, energy is always going to thrive where there's weak leadership. When there's passivity. There's going to be a Jezebel. When you have a father that's afraid to say no, why is he afraid to say no? Because your mother throws tantrums. She starts breaking things. She starts going. She kicks things. She starts yelling. She's slamming doors. She becomes passive aggressive. He, she withholds sex. She withholds food. All of these different things, you see. And he's a weak leader who doesn't, doesn't say no is a complete sentence. I don't have to say yes to you. No. But but don't don't give me any but anything. No. And now we live in a society, people will hear that and say, wait a minute, that sounds like control. Yeah, it is control. A man should control his home. Yep, that's what that's what we're talking about. That's it. You got it. You hit the nail on the head. But they should rule together. Rule? No, no. That's not what happens. No. Mm-mm. It's one ruler. You see? But Isabel says, where is the prince? I'm not recognizing any authority. I don't see any prince. I don't see any authority. I'm Isabel. I am the prophetess. I am the, the the authority. You see, that's why Jehu was sent or Yehu was sent because Ahab couldn't do the job that he was supposed to do. He couldn't get his queen in check. You see, because when there's passive leadership and that leadership fears conflict, then they're never going to confront the Isabel. They're acting just as Ahab did. And what did Ahab did? He enabled her. You see. He enabled her. Sometimes we're so afraid of conflict and we don't realize that oftentimes through conflict, peace arises. But you have to go through the conflict. For, hey, man, you know, I didn't, I didn't like what you did earlier. Don't don't do that. I don't know where you're from. 
I don't know who you were with before, but let me tell you what we do here. We don't do that. That can't happen again. But I'm saying, if you get anything other than, yes, sir. Yes, I understand. No, I, it won't happen again. <laughs> then you know you got you to gotta shut. All right, well, this is it. Got, I got to shut this down. We're through. You see? But so many people are afraid of that confrontation because, you know, and of course, you don't have to love fighting. You have to love confrontation. But being in a leadership position or even a righteous position is challenging because you have to spot and confront Isabel as soon as she shows up and she's showing up. We're surrounded by it. She's coming. She's right there. So, so you have to have that Elijah spirit. And that Elijah spirit was, he was always coming saying, hey, look. You're doing this and you're doing that, but the Most High says this. So I'm just letting you know, the Most High has got a problem with you and what you're doing. You see, that's the characteristics where you're constantly fighting evil. I'm not using my emotions. I'm not even using my own intellect. I'm just telling you, you're going to have a problem with, with the Elohim of this land, of these people. You know, so even before you run off, and you want to confront and fight all the Isabels around you, you have to front the one, confront the ones in your own life. If you have sexual deviancy, deviancy with you, or you have a lust for fame, or you have certain, you know, um, habitual sort of activities you get into that you've become numb to that are unhealthy or, or habitual discouragements or, or this desire for control, you have to deal with that first before you could deal with that. Within, you know, in anyone else. And you can't be afraid to confront other men, other women and yourself. Um, but you have to confront them first within you. One of the things that you'll also find about the Isabel spirit is that it's never repentant. It's never, ever, ever sorry. When you look in Kings, the first Kings, you notice <laughs> she never repented. She never said, yeah, I did. I shouldn't have done it. Never. Now you'll find that in males or females. Again, when I'm speaking, we're speaking about a demonic spirit that's in males and females, right? But it's a feminine energy. So even the effeminization of males that creates that sort of mentality, you find that with a lot of gangbangers. Very effeminized, very emotional, very unrepentant, very irrational. You, you, you see? But constantly being a, given a second chance by the creator. But not taking it. No, I don't know. Too much pride. You know, so there's so many consequences when you allow that spirit to operate in your life. A lot of times you'll you'll um, alienate your own children. Your children will be looking at their father saying, OK, mommy's over here destroying and running and ruining, ruining the household. And you're afraid of her. You're terrified of her. Maybe now I'm terrified of her. I'm terrified of women or I'm terrified of the spirit when I see it, this irrationality, this inability to have a, a conversation, inability to say, I'm sorry, constantly wanting to manipulate, constantly wanting, wanting to control. Now you've, you've shared your fears with me. You see, we're not even talking about the murders that Jezebel, like of Naboth that she committed, you know, um, or faking a prophetic gift. Calling herself a prophetess. How often have you seen it? Go through most social media. God is this. Divine this. Sacred this. You just call yourself that. But not not exhibiting any of the humility and the repentance that comes with that. Not truly being prophetically gifted at all. You see. Not having the balance of family at all. You see. And when you're not. Accept it. You see, because there was one thing that the Most High said when he said, you tolerate that woman, Jezebel. You tolerate. Saying, we didn't, we don't accept this, but we'll tolerate it. How often do you see that in the church? Because that was something that was said to the church. Choir director, the deacon, the evangelist. You know what they're doing. You know they're doing foul. You tolerate it, but you don't accept it. And you just as off by doing that. Family member. You know what they're out there doing or in the family doing. You tolerate it. You don't accept it. And you think there's some honor in not accepting it. You see. Some people interpret grace as approval. They interpret 
long-suffering and patience as endorsement of their wicked ways. So you have to be able to say directly, no, uh-uh, get out of here with that. Soon as it comes, as opposed to being indifferent or, you know, everybody does their thing. I'm not here to judge. You see, when you see your daughter going into that direction or your son going into that, that direction, you have to be very clear on how you're going to in- encounter that or you become culpable. You you become a part of what you should not have become a part of because you were unwilling to 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 pull the curtains back. And this is how it makes it harder for these people to repent later. Repenting meaning to go back on their way of thinking. You see. Because they saw your passivity as endorsement. You see. So there's so much that we're going to we're going to go into. I wanted to give just a, a general overview of that Jezebel energy and um, some of what she meant to the leadership at that time, you know, and, you know, how we're going to get into how even through uh, the, the Grecian practices, the comedic practices, the Roman practices, how she was painted, you know, um, how the promiscuity was painted or repainted. The blood sacrifices of people were repainted. And many things that we would look at today, obviously we'd frown upon it, but you know how it's still present today, but it's just been repackaged, you know, and how we sometimes don't see those physical or even emotional battles and, and how this particular energy of a seducer manifest or the coolness manifest, you know, um, and of course, most will favor the female image of a Jezebel over the male. And sometimes we, we, as a result, we don't realize what we're looking at. We'll say, oh, well, the men could be Ahabs and women could be Jezebel. No, both. It's, it's, it's interchangeable, unfortunately. And seduction can take place physically or it can also can take, can take place spiritually. You know, and and of course, the cool manifestation of that spiritual seduction is so much difficult, so much more difficult to spot and and to find up and and to find, you know. um, So, you know, you'll see certain things like I'll give you an example. Someone did this recently to someone and I had to I had to pull them to the side. So someone I know had borrowed property from another person. And long story short, they damaged it, right? And, you know, I spoke to him. I said, you know, I really wasn't right. And, you know, you should should apologize. <laughs> you know, the person's kind of feeling away. And and they said, um, you know, I'm sorry for taking your, I'm, I'm sorry. No, they said, I'm sorry that you feel bad um, over your broken property. And I said, that was an absolute Jezebel apology. There's no admission of guilt. There's no admission of remorse for what you did. Nothing, you know, as opposed to say, I'm sorry for damaging your property. You see, that's an example of like the the sinister wordplay. It becomes very masterful. You know, that's a very simple example, but the very sinister wordplay that a Jezebel will use. And I'm sure many of us have been. um, We'll say victim to that. You know, someone will say something like. Well, I'm sorry your feelings are hurt. Not, I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. <laughs> you see, there's, there's, there's never any any real admission of what has been done. Um, and we'll get, we'll get into what that. We're going to break that down even deeper, um, even in terms of the, the flirting and the, the flattery and the giggling and rubbing and touching and caressing and all these different things that we call harmless flirting and not realizing that someone realizing that the ego of of your Isabel is so monumental that she's going to make sure you receive this demon or she's going to destroy you like she did the prophets in days of old. All right. So um, with that, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to, we're going to come back to more of this. Okay. I just want to give you all a heads up and remind you about the on retreat that's coming up. We're going to be providing a little bit more information. I know some of you have spoken to me privately about it, um, but Feel free to, you can always uh, go to the retreat play, page, excuse me, on the Anu Life Global Ministries and get some information there. And um, you can always reach out to organizer at anulifeglobal.org and ask questions there too. 
organizer at anulifeglobal.org. If you're an Anu, if you're a man or you're a woman, you can always go to like uh, Instagram, Anu Man, or, or the Anu Man, and um, or also Anu Womb, and you can ask questions there as well. But I would advise you, you know, send an email to our organizer, and you can get some more information on the retreat um, in New Orleans coming up in June. Um, so yeah. Just, just as far as that, we have also red rap events coming up. You know that uh, that you should be privy of important stuff there. And uh, one of our members uh, that some of you are probably familiar with, if you've been watching like a lot of the lives and stuff that we do on the Anu Life Global, um, the Anu Life Global Ministries um, YouTube channel, then you'll probably be familiar with Yakira Eden. Well, she has written uh, a book recently entitled um, the messing up the, before I mess up the title because I just put it. We had a live today and I put it in the chat for everyone. But it's a spiritual guide to overcoming seven, seven mental ailments, the spiritual or the scriptural guide to overcoming seven mental ailments. Excuse me. The scriptural guide to overcoming seven mental ailments. You can get the Kindle. And you can also get the paperback and, you know, it's 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 really it, it centers on mental issues like stress and self-doubt and anxiety and um, being unfocused and things like that. And what that could mean, you know, um, mentally, not necessarily um, the diagnosis of it, but also where you can pull solutions and strength from and understanding how to overcome those particular issues. So I definitely urge you to pick that up. Scriptural guide, scriptural guide to overcoming seven mental ailments um, by Precious Stepney, who you also know as, as Yakira Eden. That's her divine name. Okay. Yakira Eden. All right. So definitely make sure you check that book out. And again, always for myself, um, Chief Yuya, I'm on Amazon. People sometimes still ask, where can I get your books? They're all on Amazon at this point. You know, from the compass to mind, heart, words, to 14 keys, grasping the root of divine power, shrine and altar, solutions for dysfunctional family relationships, noir mail. If you want to get a copy of the Anu way, you can get that on our website. It's free. Right. And there's more books coming as well. But um, you can all you can find the majority of what you want. And it's audio books, too. You know, 14 keys audio books is on audio is on audible. But there's also an audio book if you do a search for uh, solutions for dysfunctional family relationships. It's not on Audible, but it's on other platforms like Google and Apple. Uh, there's also an audio book for The Compass as well. So there are there are actually more audio books out there as well um, uh, to complement, if you will, uh, some of the written books and the Kindle and, and stuff like that. So definitely dive into those. And for coaching, again, always Osiris Life. Dot com for consultations, not readings, not a tefas, not doing those um, at this at this time, but for consultations and coaching, whether it be on business, relationships, different kind of milestones you're moving through in your life right now, pretty much anything. <laughs> um, you can go to askosiris.com, askosiris.com um, for one on one coaching. All right. So with that, we're going to get back to it. Now, like I said, every segment also would give you a book. So uh, this segment's book is a book by um, the name of 365 Days with Discipline. 365 Days with Discipline. I thought that it was a it's written by Martin Meadows, which is not his real name. But, you know, um, that's the author's name. And I, I thought it would be really a really good book, especially considering that we just came out of Ramadan. And discipline obviously was the. Um, call of, of the month for the past 30 days for those who participated or who joined in with our new members and our, our uh, Islamic cousins um, and and participated in Ramadan. Uh, discipline was the key, right? You know, so that book, 365 Days with Discipline, uh, it really speaks about having discipline in the modern, modern world, but how easy it is to live without even a smidget <laughs> of, of self-discipline, but to understand that life is, is easy when you live it the harder way, but it's hard when you try to live it the easy way. You know, um, when you're, when you're a slave to yourself, um, 
anybody can have power over you. You know, anybody can control you. But when you stop being a slave to yourself, no one can control you. And a lot of times we don't even realize that we have so many luxuries and we think we can't live without them. So this book, it's it's a really good book. I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I know some of you have already started reading the book from from last segment, you know, um, the stealing of focus. But, um, you know, and, and again, if you read them in seven days, great. If not, that's OK to just. You put them on your list, you know, but um, this is a really good, good book that Martin Meadows wrote where you really start to think of self-discipline as freedom, you know, rather than suffering. As so many of us think of discipline as or self-discipline, it's I'm depriving myself of something, you know, and, and it becomes a strange thing that people who discipline themselves primarily, they put themselves through the most most of the most rigorous things, but they tend to be the most happiest in life, you see. So um, it's an important thing to look at in that. And just understand that some things take time. Learning discipline takes time and rewiring your mind takes time. You got to have patience, you know, while you do whatever you can um, to speed the process along, if you will. But it's also, it's just better to suffer from your own choices than to waste your life away because you just mindlessly following others, if you will. So, yeah, it's a great book for you all to check out, and I will that you all enjoy it. That's our book for uh, this segment, 365 Days with Discipline. It's one that I enjoyed a lot, you know, um, when I read it, and I, I think you'll you'll enjoy it too, you know. Willfully, you, you enjoy it. But those of you who find yourself having difficulties with discipline, all right. So, uh, like I said, I'll also be reading a question and answering it every segment. Like I said, last time I'm reading these live. So a question may come up that I can't answer and I just have to, you know, I have to do what I can do. <laughs> but this one, uh, of course, anonymous is greetings, chief. My question is, if the most high is learning a lot of lessons and, and no is learning and a lot of lessons are learned by making mistakes does the most high make mistakes or would we not be willing to tell if or when mistakes are being made? Thank you for taking questions. Absolutely. More than welcome. And great question. That's a, this is like this is like. A, um, and please understand what I'm saying when I'm saying it. This is like a question a child would ask, you know, but what I mean by that, it's pure. It's a good question. <laughs> this is this is a very good question. You know, children ask questions like this that stump you like uh, because it's pure it has no pre pre uh supposition of religion or anything like that so yes let's get into it um the most high doesn't necessarily make mistakes you have to realize you're speaking about you know even when we when, well I, i'll leave the bible out of it but what which most high there's multiple most highs right so let's just say we're speaking about my most high my Elohim doesn't necessarily make the mistakes, but I can make the mistakes. But the, the Elohim is functioning within me. It's like it's like being in a um a car. You have a driver. The driver is making wrong turns. Turns. You're in the car. You know the right way to go, and you're saying, "Hey, you can make a left. You can make a right. You can go here. You can go here." But the driver is like doing what they feel like doing. So they they're gonna make different mistakes and whatnot. But you're like, "All right, well." I'm going along for the ride because while you're making all of these mistakes, I get to explore the city. I get to explore the landscape and see what this place looks like as a result of all the things. Because if it was just up to me, I would do I would go all the right ways, which would mean that I would go the same way every single day. If I'm making this trip, I'm like a bus route. I'm doing the same thing every single day. So there's no exploration. You know, it was interesting. There was some studies done about that years ago, um, and they were studies based on memory. And they found that um, bus drivers had less capacity to memorize things than cab drivers did. Now, you know, mind you, this is at a time before like GPS existed and you have to really you get into a cab. You have to hopefully you get into a cab, someone who knows the terrain, who knows the city. You know, years ago when I was younger, that was one of the things that cab drivers would brag about. Come on, come on, get in, get in. I know the city like the back of my hand. Where are you going? Because it was no, you don't want to get in a cab and the cabbie pulls out a map. You're like, oh, man, I'm good. I'm getting out. So they had to memorize 
all the back streets where the traffic is, what time of day. Buses don't have to do that, right? So you could compare the bus to like the most high. I don't have to do that. I'm going the same way. But once you get come into the mix and your failability, now it becomes an adventure. And through that adventure, I'm learning so many other things, right? Um, so yeah, now will we be able to tell if the most high is making mistakes? No. no. Not really, no. Because his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. There's so much higher and advanced than, than ours are. How long does it take for a child to even understand that their parents made a mistake? You see, they catch up eventually, but it takes a while, you know. So that that's how I would I would answer that question, man. Thank you. That was that was a that was a really good question, you know. Thank you for that. And willfully, um, you all got something out of it. And if you didn't, if or if it, if it led to another question. <laughs> You know, definitely reach out. Questions at chiefyuya.com. Questions at chiefyuya.com. All right. So um, that has been our segment. I want to thank you all for uh, tuning in. You know, um, again, we're going to be exploring more and more of this Jezebel concept because the consequences to falling victim to it are really death. And there's so many questions that are raised sometimes when you start to go through what that spirit looks like um, and not approach it from a dogmatic perspective, um, but just understanding, you know, when you're in the face of someone who is willing to do the most unimaginable wickedness and perversity, you know, but they, they're presenting something to you that doesn't look that way. You know, they don't have a problem with you falling totally into an unregenerated and, and, sort of spiritual life that's devoid of any sort of life, you know? Um, and sometimes we don't realize, well, how did they come to power? Like, how does a spirit or energy like that come to such incredible power? You know, um, why is this desire to ban- to abandon all eth- ethical purity and engage into so many different forms of immorality? You know, and again, we see that in so many, like, um, Award shows and videos and, you know, entertainment is, is the thing, you know. Um, and, of course, through our, our current modern day po- uh, politics. And then sometimes you'll even see people who present themselves to almost have like supernatural powers and their prophetic life like. And they have an ability to be energized by demonic power more so than pure, um, higher functioning Elohim power. So we follow them. They become our priests and our priestesses and our iyas and our mamas and our babas. And we don't realize where they're really pulling. Are you pulling it from the high place or the low place? You, you see. So we don't sometimes know how to look properly and intelligently at prophetic ability or how people gain their power, you know, and they, or they gain the influence. You know, what was their their journey like? And, and is it really like I said, th- th- there is no gender specificity, you know, specificity in any of this. And that's an important thing, you know, when you're when you're speaking about this, when we look at the phrase of spirit of Jezebel, Jezebel spirit, um, we sometimes don't understand the charismatic um sort of energy that surrounds that and it's not an animating force that localizes itself to a, a woman or localizes itself to a man, but virtually anyone can be made aware of it and can be subject to it, you know, um, or can abuse their prophetic gifts and fall into that trap as well, you know, as being that sort of Jezebel, you know, they're always going to be one who appeals to your spirituality or to rationalize against, you know, your spirituality. They love to rationalize sensuality. This is a person who will write whole books about masturbation. You know, and, and, and things like that. And you think they're bringing this deep thing to you, you know, or whole books about um, promiscuity, things like that. And they constantly rationalize it because people can be so blinded by pride, you know, and even the praise of certain people and so certain sensual experiences that seem supernatural. I can't tell you how many people I've had come to me say, I want you to be my tantra coach. It's always a woman. And what they really want is just a... a over the top orgasm without real that's not that's the smallest part of tantra <laughs> you know that's the smallest part you know and if and and that comes with a connection to someone who you truly connected with you don't get that with anybody 
You don't get that with everybody. You know, there's a very deep spiritual and religious and sacred aspect to how we sexualize. And it has nothing to do with, I'm just free. You know, you think about the women's empowerment movement, the way it's expressed now is just through nudity. I'm empowered. I'm woman. Hear me when you take your shirt off. Don't look at my breast, right? It's foolishness. That's all Jezebel, Jezebel, Jezebel energy that you're looking at right there. All right. So this has been another segment, 84th episode of Chief Yaw Podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in and for listening. And again, um, you can find me on social media at Chief Yuya, C-H-I-E-F-Y-U-Y-A. And you can also um, come to Ask Osiris or Osiris Life to sign up for consultations or to sign up for coaching. All right. Um, enjoy the movie. Enjoy the book. Enjoy the proverb. Enjoy the lessons. And I'll see you on the next one. Chief Yuya, peace.